really the first thing that we ask uh, clients of ours and prospects is think about, you know, you have many, there are many, many problems that could be solved. What is the main problem? If you had to pick one, you know, what is the main problem that you would, uh, that you want to solve? And, and we work with them to solve that problem first. And, you know, we can, we can have kind of, you know, more blue sky discussions about what can be, but I think it's really important to deliver value. Uh, and, you know, SSI being an agile software development shop, it's, it's kind of how we work. It's like pick a problem, solve the problem, deliver value, make sure that that business is getting the value, that things are better than, than before. And then you can grow from there. Um, so uh, with, with shipbuilding PLM, the idea is that, yes, it works out of the box with, you know, minimal configuration. You'll probably want to configure it a little bit here and there, but uh, I think instead of just getting a blank PLM system and then having the, this task of like finding out how the data should come in, like we've handled all that and it's, it's not trivial. We've spent a better part of the last two years refining that and making it performant and, and so on. So that's what you get that, that you know, two years or so of development is just to get the data in consistently. So then you can think about the next steps and that immediately, uh, is such an advantage over just blank PLM out of the box and un unknown amount of consulting hours to get it to a first step. But yeah, you know, we start start small and build from there. It's 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 flexible to do that. Welcome to the Bridgewatch Podcast, bringing you up to speed on all things innovation in the shipbuilding and marine industry. My name is William, and my job is to provide shipbuilders with innovative tools to increase their productivity. My name is Winston. I'm the co-host along with William, and I've been in the marine industry for 26 years, teach naval architecture at the Marine Institute in St. John's, Newfoundland. And I do marine consulting work, helping companies build better ships faster. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys. This episode of Bridgewatch is brought to you by Enelf Marine, providing shipbuilding software and expert advice to enhance your value stream. Whether you're a shipbuilder, ship owner, or designer, give your team a competitive advantage. Visit enelfmarine.com and let us help you build better ships faster. So welcome back to our interview with Jagan. He still has so much to say to us. Yeah, he sure does. And if you missed the first part of the interview, you can go back and listen to our last episode and you can catch the first part of this interview. And uh, yeah, without further ado, here we go. Enjoy part two. Where, where, where's the value for the ship owner here? I, I mean, when we talk about life cycle, I mean, the biggest part of the life cycle of a vessel is going to be the owner is going to be, you know, babysitting the asset, you know what I mean? Or owning yeah, the asset. Yeah, yeah, you, so, you bet. Yeah. Well, I guess to, to answer this, uh, I'll, I'll draw on an analogy. So mm -hmm. suppose that you're in a market for a, for a used vehicle yep. and, and you find two listings of the same make and model that you're after. You're like, beautiful. That's the car I want. Uh, and there are two listings. So you, you call up the, the person from the first listing and then someone says, well, you know, the vehicle runs and then you, you ask about when was it last tuned up or does it have any issues? They're like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really a, a car person. Um, but, you know, you can buy it. Okay. 
and then the second listing is from someone who has kept all of the servicing records, uh, all of the uh, uh, manufacturer's uh, recall notes, and what was done with that, and uh, you know proof that the vehicle has never been in an accident. Right, like Carfax. And so yeah. the Carfax. Okay, so it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's kind of the Carfax equivalent for for owners. If you have a PLM system that was used during the uh, design and uh, production. Any problem reports that came up, you can see how they were dealt with. Any, uh, uh, you know, even for for equipment, what's the warranty on some of this stuff? Right. Well, okay, I could, without a, a, the records for that, you, you know, you kind of you have some detective work to do to find right. out. Well, is this the equipment? Who's that uh, vendor? And what's the warranty? Can I call them? And you're spending a lot of time. Whereas if you uh, incorporate that data as you go. Now you have this repository of data. So you say, okay, what's, what are these, the, the equipment in this section, okay? Uh, and what's the warranty of all these? And now I can form a plan. Okay, well, next time I, I'm in port for, for some repair, I want to have these things looked at and make sure that, you know, we're not going to be... Uh, going beyond warranty for certain things. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the expected lifespan of, a, of a, an item is, it's asset management at, at that point. So from an owner, you really want to have the information so you can have proper asset management and proper stewardship of this thing that you paid so much money to build. Right, yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, Will, I mean, feel free to jump in anytime. But, you know, I, I, just, yeah. I have so many questions because I'm really interested in this. Uh, in, in this yeah, and just to close the loop on that, yeah. that's something like uh, warranty. It's it's some issues that we saw, like uh, some some engines broken and uh, like for government ship and you hear in the news like, yeah, the warranty was done. It's been six months that the warranty's out and now they need to pay for it. So right. that's exactly something that ship owners are caring about. It's important. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the data that goes into the PLM as as the as the uh, asset is being designed and manufactured, who, who like as PLM is as it grows as a as a way of thinking about things, uh, who who owns all that that data? Is that is that like let's say that like you build a ship for me, and mm -hmm. I don't like you, and <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to come back to your shipyard to get any work done. So yeah. how do I access all this stuff? Is that something that's like is 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 copyright coming into play here, or what's what's happening? What I, are the thoughts? I guess you know yeah. uh, the the thoughts are, and this is just thoughts. This is um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, basically, it, it comes down to kind of what's in the contract. Right. What do you own? What do you not own? Who has access sure. to what, and who doesn't? And so. Uh, you know, if, if as we get into this, this more of a PLM usage in, in the industry, I think owners would be well suited to, well positioned to ask shipyards, do you main, you know, create and maintain a digital twin, okay, yep. which is basically this rep repository of information. Do you create this digital twin, um, and uh, you know, who owns that afterwards? Can, can that be transferred in whole or in part? And if not, then then where are the boundaries? And it's really it's a negotiation because sure. I think there is uh, value in that information, and maybe you know, uh, if you want a cheaper contract, maybe you don't get that 
Gotcha. Uh, if you if you want to to have the information, maybe you pay for it because it's worth something. You know. Yeah, yeah, you it, bet. It can really save you uh, uh, a lot of trouble down the road. But I, I think it ultimately comes down to first that this is a discussion that that we'll be having. You know, as as these technologies advance and these yeah. processes advance, but ultimately it's between the owner and the and the yard. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know I, I think that uh, as you know as as more ships are built with this in mind and 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 it becomes a kind of a way of doing things. I, I guess the the protocols will evolve over time of, of how to how best to deal with this. But but I think that what what we're doing here is we're adding a lot of value to uh, to you know what potentially a ship owner could have in the future. You know so yeah it's a, it's a it's an interesting. Um, so, and in terms of that digital twin that we you just point on, uh, mm-hmm. what kind of we see some um, some tools out there uh, that can have the visualization of the ship mm-hmm. and having all information regarding uh, specs integrated in that 3D model. So mm-hmm. uh, the owner can uh, interact with the model. It can be with Navisworks, SmartShape, mm-hmm. BIMS 365. There's so much mm-hmm. platform that can allow you to do that. Right. Um, but And they, they all have different advantage. But how will that PLM play? Do we... Does the PLM kind of sit on Navis work, allow you to see visualization within the process? Or how does PLM integrate with that digital twin that is the uh, 3D as-built model of the ship? Right. So the, the approach that SSI has taken, um, and, and you know, we, we started with a Navisworks-based approach. Because you're right, there are many platforms, and we're yep. not necessarily limiting our plans to just Navisworks-based uh, um, approaches, but for now, that's what we have, and we, we call it Ship Explorer. So yep. it's basically using Navisworks as the 3D rendering tool. Uh, but what Ship Explorer does is it it basically annotates that that information or augments that information with properties that it gets from Shipbuilding PLM. Okay. So the idea is that the Navisworks model itself, yes, it contains a lot of information. But if you want to get additional information. You do a connection to shipbuilding PLM. Every part has a, a unique identifier, and so basically, it's like a database lookup. You say, uh, "Ship Explorer slash Navisworks is interested in this part or this assembly or what what have you. Give me the related properties of that." And uh, you know, uh, right now, it's 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 doing that connection today. You know, we we have that functionality. Um, so yeah, I, I think. That's that's kind of how we're um, approaching it from an implementation standpoint. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and by doing that, it it, uh, it gives the flexibility to to move to different platforms without uh, incurring a huge cost, right? Of, instead of having to have a copy of the data, which can go out of date. Yeah. What you do is you say, okay, can I have a live connection? Mm. And then you see what it is, right? Excellent. What's uh... 
so so in terms of when when you guys were thinking about you know building the shipbuilding PLM or designing it, what were, were, did you have a a certain size kind of shipyard in mind, or would like smaller shipyards also benefit? Like what size? How big do you have to be in order <laughs> for PLM to kind of make sense for you as a? Because I mean, there's you know all across the country, there's big shipyards and there's really small shipyards. So what's right. the? Is it maybe it's not about size? Let's hope. Yeah, I, I think I think well, I, I will say that a number of companies can can benefit from PLM systems. Uh, you know, even in, in the case of our shipbuilding PLM, even smaller companies uh, can benefit from it just from that PDM perspective. Okay, let's yeah. just manage data during the construction, during the design and production phase. Right. Maybe just as an internal tool. There, the, maybe the scope is not to have a digital twin and not worry about an owner. Just to, to, to have a lightweight PLM that helps us track our own processes so that we can be more efficient and uh, come in on budget or under budget and get more business in the future. So uh, smaller companies are, are, are you know looking to our system for that. Right. Um, but I would say there's no doubt that like on the other end of the spectrum, you get a lot of benefit uh, you know having like managing multi-hull projects, sister ships, uh, in other words. So, uh, you know, if you have some changes in, in the earlier hulls that you uh, you realize um, that maybe you didn't catch during the design phase, but you're like, oh, this thing is going to happen on every ship thereafter. So you can kind of make that change and have that change listed to be applied on all the uh, ships thereafter. And just the management of that, it's complex enough ma- building one hull. Yeah. When you have multiple hulls and hull effectivity of, you know, is this change going to apply here and not here? And this is a variant, so it's mostly the same, but it's a little bit different here. Like tracking all that is tricky. And so, you know, shipbuilding PLM and PLM systems in general are really designed for that, that amount of data and that scalability. Uh, I, I say often, you know, in technology, the biggest enemy is Excel. <laughs> Yeah, right? people people come up with and, and, and you know I, I I not to denigrate anyone who uses Excel. There's been a lot of clever work done in Excel, and it does the job by and large. Yep. Until you reach a point in your company's growth where you're taking on more, and the management of Excel, it, it's no longer the right platform for the job. Right. It's not, yeah. not the right tool for the job. So, yeah, I mean, we understand there has to be a, a cost-benefit analysis. And if you're a smaller yard, maybe you, you want to go with a smaller solution or a smaller implementation of PLM. But as you grow, that's the beauty of PLM. You're already starting with a foundation and an approach and a mindset of managing data, understanding your data, tracking it, and getting better outcomes. So you know, it should become an, a natural extension to keep wanting to grow it to solve more problems in your business. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, it, we, we basically are flexible enough to serve a, a spectrum of, uh, you know, different clients from small to large. Right. Okay. I, I, so is, you know, is PLM sort of manufacturing centric? I mean, you, your product is ship building PLM. It's not ship. I mean, Will yeah. and I come from the design side mostly and right, right. it's not ship owner PLM yeah. or ship design yeah. PLM. It's ship building PLM. So how do we, yeah. how do we get all of these things kind of plugged into the, 
you know, is there so is there a place then for for ship designers, naval architects, engineers to kind of have their piece that needs to be organized in such a way that it will fit into the PLM over time, or what? What's the what are the, all the connectors? Yeah, I mean, at at, at this point uh, with the shipbuilding PLM, the connector has been the, the the most rich connector has been from ship constructor to shipbuilding PLM, right. But, uh, uh, and, and really that's, that's the, the thing that works out of the box is that connection like, works really well out of the box. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think, uh, it, it's fair to say that if, you know, if there are other, uh, systems that are in place that maybe have some traction and, and are, are favored, uh, for, you know, the aspects before the detailed design or the aspects after, then yeah, I think uh, like for for example, ERP is 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 one of these things that you know maybe in terms of tracking inventory or uh, you know plugging into your supply chain and, and all that stuff. Maybe you know they already say we have an ERP system. We we don't want to repeat this in the PLM. Well, great. So what the PLM can do is it can take what's needed to the ERP and a connector can be made that provides that yeah absolutely similarly if, if we need to have view of the status of something happening in the ERP you again create a connector back in and this kind of comes back to you know one of the main reasons that we are partnered with Eris Innovator which mm-hmm. is an open PLM platform just like Ship Constructor is an open platform we have an API Eris Innovator has an API and the reason for this is to allow these connectors so we, we're well aware that uh, you know there are existing systems out there that um, that we need to connect to. We can't assume that we're going to displace all these systems. Uh, so yeah, um, connectors are, are key, and right. we have the APIs to define them. Okay, and it's it's really case by case. Yeah, excellent. Well, I, I have one more question. Uh, Will, did you have anything else before? Yeah, no. I think the the only the only thing for me would be to kind of ask um, what's next. But yeah. if you have something <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, something yeah. before that, uh, uh, but yeah, for, I think what's what's kind of the um, we've talked a little bit about the problems that PLM can solve today and mm-hmm. where kind of SSI brought the PLM to shipbuilding in order to mm-hmm. solve shipbuilding specific problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of solving more problems uh, in five, ten years, how, and yeah, it, it's, it's you've been working on that for the last mm-hmm. two years, so I'm sure there's problems that are on your radar and people mm-hmm. are bringing that to, to your attention mm-hmm. um, as regard to um, shipbuilding specific solution. Right. No, I, I think, uh, yeah, the way it's evolving, I mean, right now it's, I think a lot of companies are at the PDM stage, you know, like yeah. d- design uh, centers or even shipyards are, are f- focused on like, how do I track the design and the changes, the engineering change orders, all that kind of thing. Let's just get our hands, our heads around that at, at the moment. Um, I think... After that, uh, and we're starting to see this with, with some of our, our larger uh, clients, is the life cycle aspect. So really making good on the L in PLM. Right. Because many people don't start with the life cycle. They start with, with the, the, the design data. But then they move yep. to the life cycle, and we're starting to see that more. And I'd say that's probably going to take 
a better part of, of that five year range, just because okay. there's a lot of there's a lot there. Yep. But I think uh, beyond that, we're probably uh, going to be seeing a lot more from the owner perspective for maintenance, repair, overhaul, having this digital twin. And the reason I say that's in the future is like we have to create a couple digital twins first. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's let's right. Get them to, in the to yards. Demonstrate and, the yeah the value and and what what it could value. be. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. people say, oh, there's this wealth of information, and I can query it in this way, and I can generate this report, and I can set up these notifications so I can stay on top of the asset that I've paid so much money for. Right. So, yeah, I think from from design through to to life cycles in a shipyard through to ownership, I think that's kind of the the progression over five five to ten years. Right. Uh, yeah. That I see the industry Perfect. going, but. Time will tell. Yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. And and go ahead, go ahead, Will. Sorry. Do Do you see like uh, now with um, in the building industry they have the BIM, so mm-hmm. um, building information model, and right. SSI came up with the MIM, the marine yeah. information model. Right. And now what the building industry is doing is mm-hmm. leveraging AI to reduce uh, the um, environmental footprint. Uh, carbon footprints on the planet before so they're able to analyze that uh, building before uh, they build it so they mm-hmm. can they they can yeah they, they can invest in having better technology and better um, systems better right. building so do you see AI playing a playing something here that uh, AI can use that data to build future better shit? Yeah, I, I mean, and, and we've seen this with, with uh, other tools in the industry, especially with parametric hull design. Yeah. They start off with some seed parameters, and then they find out after a while what's, what's been tweaked, and that information gets sent back to refine the seed parameters for the next time, Yeah. right? Uh, I'd say with, with AI, maybe, maybe AI is a specific case, but uh, I'll, I'll call it data analytics, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for sure... Data analytics in the computing world, in in the business world, let's face it, it's not even technology; it's a, a business idea. Yeah, that it it is key for getting those insights and you know getting that competitive advantage and, and so on. Um, and really, what is data analytics but finding patterns? Yeah, and and filtering to to get some insight. And to do that, you need data. You need a richness, a rich set of data. It's it's usually, you know, maybe people underestimate analytics and they think, oh, if I have a little bit of data here and there, this AI is going to work some magic. Typically speaking, AI works best when you have a rich set of data yeah, to, to draw from. And so yep. I think this is, again, where the PLM in and of itself uh, offers, you know, with, with shipping PLM, we have a rich set of data from the design side. But the more people connect in other data, the richer data set you have. And then, yes, whether it be AI or, or, or more manual analytics things like Power BI or Spotfire or, or those kind of tools, yeah. then, yeah, I, I think that's probably... Uh, I, I wouldn't bet against it, put it that way. I think okay. it could definitely go that way. And especially in our platform, you know, the system that we've built on Aris Innovator, it's open. You can have... Uh, it's easier to connect these analytic tools into the system. So... Yeah, it, it, we haven't seen it yet, but yeah, it, it, it's probably going to be coming over the horizon pretty soon. Yeah, that, which make, totally makes sense. I mean, 
uh, if you have that rich data set and you can mine it using the, the tools, even the tools that we, we have available now, let alone what we're going to come up with over the next couple of years, I mean, why wouldn't you do it? Of course you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the human condition. You know, <laughs> we're that's curious. It. We want to, we want to dig in and find patterns. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Hey, Jagan, thanks so much for your, for your time. It was really uh, just a, a pleasure to have you on here. And uh, I, I really appreciate the, the, the Carfax analogy. Really, just, just the <laughs> yeah. light bulb went off. And it was really, it totally helped this whole thing make a lot of sense for me. So I, re- I really appreciate it a lot. And thanks for your, uh, your time on a, on a Sunday afternoon. Or I guess right, morning boy. for you, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, my, my pleasure. Thanks for, uh, you know, a lot of good questions. And yeah, I think uh, hopefully our, your listeners will come away from from this uh, podcast knowing a little bit more about PLM and what it can do. Awesome, yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Jagan. All right. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, innovamarine.com slash bridgewatch. And uh, we have a space there for you to put comments and questions. Be part of the conversation. We'll see you in two weeks to chat more about the exciting news in our industry, to chat more about what it's coming in terms of innovation, how can we make our industry better. And like Winston said, share our comments there. And who knows, maybe your subject will be the next topic of our show. Thank you and see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.